0: It's Twin Bills, the Red Sox podcast from the Sports Department of the Providence Journal, featuring Red Sox beat writer Bill Koch, along with sports editor Bill Corey. Now, Twin Bills. Hello and welcome to this week's Twin Bills Red Sox podcast. This is Bill Corey, sports editor of the Providence Journal. With me is Red Sox beat writer Bill Koch. Uh, Bill, we have a 500 baseball team uh, in Boston. It took a little longer than, uh, than most of us anticipated, but uh, at 19-19, and 19, the Red Sox are starting to look more like the team we remember from last season.
1: This is going to be a shinier, happier version of the podcast uh, going forward. As, as we talked about last week... You had a good opportunity on this road trip playing the White Sox and playing the Orioles to try to get back to 500. I called for a 5 and 2 record to you, get there, right? Right? That's exactly what happened.
0: I, and I did say we we'd be at 500 uh, by the time we did the podcast, which you is kind of cheating cuz we could just wait until they got to 500 and then do a podcast. No, but, but
1: you you did. You you made <laughs> but, the bold prediction. You said the next time that we were together, they right. would be a 500 team and yeah. you were absolutely right. correct. Right, by the
0: skin of my teeth, right? It just
1: um, just no, happened. But No. Um,
0: no. But uh Definitely looking better. Uh, lineup is is coming around. Pitching is coming around, and uh, I want to touch on uh, Alex Cora's post game comments from the last win, mm-hmm. uh, which he essentially said, uh, you know, we know the season doesn't really start Friday, but the season starts Friday, meaning, right. uh, meaning today we're we're recording this on Friday. The Red Sox are 19 and 19. They've kind of gotten through. That rough patch of uh, of uh, not playing so well. Mm.
1: Um, so, um, what are you expecting moving forward here with this team? I think it's all about baseball now. I think all the distractions are done. Whether it's handing out the World Series rings or yep. signing players to extensions or going to the White House, yep. all of that is over now. And you know, Alex Cora, being what he is, a baseball lifer, a baseball fan, um, you know, and in a past life a baseball player Hmm. that's what he knows that's his comfort zone that's what he wants to talk about that's what he wants to do every day manage his team play the games win the games move forward that's the area of focus now it's not on anything else and i think in in that way he is relieved and and unburdened to an extent you know um One of the things that
0: that also stuck out to me when uh, when I watched that post-game interview was, you know, he made the point that, um, you know, regardless of what's being said about him or about the team, who's going to the White House, who's not going to the White House, um, that basically all those guys in that clubhouse were together and were playing hard. And I really don't see any evidence otherwise, you know. you know, I, there, there was a lot of talk about, oh, OK, so uh, Cora is not going to go to the White House because of the Puerto Rico uh, thing. And then, you know, most of the white players are going. Most of the players of color are not going. Is there a rift? Um, I don't know. It doesn't seem like there is. It looks like they're all playing uh, for each other. They played hard on that on that last road trip. Um, and I think you're right in that he's more comfortable now because, we, you know, he gets to focus on baseball.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know, I, I haven't necessarily seen any outward signs of a divide there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if the players are divided in some way, they're doing a pretty good job of hiding it from the press. And, yeah. you know, there, there are a fair amount of us who are around the team a lot. Uh, you know, whether it's an hour before the game, uh, you know, you get an hour of club ha- clubhouse access. Before the game you're generally in there for about an hour after every game uh, you know you're around the players during batting practice and, and otherwise and you know that's over a six or a seven month span mm. that you're around these guys. You'd like to think that you know a little bit about them and that you can read them a little bit. Um, you know, I won't pretend to know how every guy feels about uh, each of his peers, but there haven't been any outward signs of any animosity there. Um, you know and certainly, Starting from ownership on down, John Henry made the point very early on about the White House visit. He Mm. said, everyone gets to make an individual decision. I thought it was excellent leadership by him. It took all the pressure off each individual player, coach, staff member. There wasn't an organizational mandate. You will go. We're going to drag you kicking and screaming. Or you don't have to go, and no one cares. Right? You know, no one's going to care about this. Right. Right. He let every guy make a decision on their own. Uh, gave them the freedom to do that, and you know, I think he made it very clear that no matter what your decision was, the organization was going to support it. Mm-hmm. If you want to go, we're okay with that. He attended personally.
0: Yeah, all, all, all the, the front office did.
1: You know, and if you don't want to go. As Alex Cora and some of the players didn't. They mm-hmm. went back to Boston after the game in Baltimore on Wednesday. Yeah. That was fine, too. Yeah. And they were going to be supported in that. So, you know, I think that John Henry set the tone with that. Uh, you know, and now they're just going to move on and, and play baseball, which is what they do. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole thing was kind
0: of anticlimactic because really nothing really happened. I mean, the, the player showed up. Uh, the president came out. He got his jersey. They, they took a photo, and life goes on.
1: I, I think what Cora gets... You know, maybe a little bit chapped by is when there are people who are not in the clubhouse or not around the team rendering opinions about whether or not there's a divide, right. with the team, right? You know, he's going to look at someone like, you know, you could pull pull you could pull two names out of the media who are on different ends of the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. Let, let's just say Jerry Callahan on one side. And Jamel Hill on the other side, mm. they both have opinions on this. Callahan thought that everyone should go to the White House and that this is ridiculous, and that you know you shouldn't see Trump as divisive or, or anything else. And Jamel Hill said, you know, nobody should go, and right. that the white players should support the players of color right. uh, by not going, and that it was a shame that that they didn't. You know, is going to look at both of those opinions and think you don't know anything about what's going on in here. You know, whether you are liberal, conservative, left or right. You don't know what goes on in here. We do. Yeah. We know the relationships in here. You know, so don't try to tell us that we're divided because a certain group went to the White House and a certain group didn't, or a certain group feels this way politically and the other group feels, you know, a different way politically. You don't know that. Yeah. You're not around the players. I'm around the players. I know the players. You know, I can tell you what's going on with my players. Um, so I think there was you know i wouldn't say some anger but but probably some frustration with that as well that that came out in his post game remarks on wednesday yeah and really that's the bottom line is does this really affect
0: the team in some way is there some kind of friction is there some kind of divide in the clubhouse because you know realistically anyone everyone has the right to whether to, to go to not go to have a reason why they would go or reason why they why they wouldn't go but uh the end of the day is, you know, this is a baseball team that you're playing competitive baseball this season. You don't want there to be some problem, and there doesn't, there doesn't seem to be, certainly, uh, at least not from, uh, from, from my perspective here. Uh, so uh, let's, let's switch from the uh, South Lawn of the White House to, uh, to the baseball diamond here and uh, take a look at some of uh, some of the players on the Red Sox. And first off to me is Chris Sale, who was fantastic in his last outing. Uh, had uh, two good outings. Really, I mean, his his, uh, his outing in Chicago was pretty was pretty good as well. Um, is he back? Do we think he's back to where we expect him? Uh, expect Chris Sale to be?
1: I think he looks pretty good yeah. at this point. Um, you, know, you look at what he's done actually over his last four. Uh, yeah, he's been really good. Um, yeah, I think most importantly though is that you, know, you look back and you look at his performance level and what he was able to do the other night in Baltimore. Um, by going eight innings, which was the first time he's done that since June of last season. Yep. Uh, you know, in the amount of swings and misses it, he got, 24, which was the most he's had since June of last season. He had 25 in an outing against the Mariners. Both of those outings were before the two stints on the disabled list with the left shoulder inflammation. So if he's back to that level of performance, that pre injury level of performance, mm-hmm. at this point now, you should be really encouraged about Chris Sale. Yeah, I mean, he got a lot of swings and misses. He had his command. Velocity was
0: there again.
1: Um, He was able to reach back for it, which, you know, most of the night he was 92, 93, 94. But there were a couple 96s in there with a couple men on base, you know, maybe in the sixth or seventh inning, and you thought, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That looks like a healthy guy to me. Let's sure. let's stop all the conspiracy theories about whether or not he's okay. My my prediction is that in a few short weeks we're going to be debating has
0: Chris Sale peaked too soon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, should should we just you know take uh, take the foot off the gas pedal here and and uh, take it easy until uh, after the All Star break? Um,
1: but well, uh, you you look at his starts. You can divide his season in half. He's had eight starts. Yeah, his first four he had fourteen strikeouts. His last four, he's had forty-two. <laughs> <laughs> totally, you mean fourteen? Totally, yes. right? Right? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that that's going to work.
0: Yeah, yeah. That'll uh, that'll uh, that'll win you some games for sure. Um, and uh, now, uh, speaking of pitching. Uh, the bullpen, which has been pretty. Oh, by, by the way, I should sort of correct a, a uh, misstatement I made. I think on one of the previous podcast about Brandon Workman, I I had the uh, mistaken idea that Brandon Workman hadn't been that good this year, and I and I think the reason I said that is because I remember the uh, what happened in Yankee Stadium. Correct. And I think when when things happen like that to the Red Sox in Yankee Stadium, they cloud all kinds of judgment. <laughs> but Brandon Workman has been pretty damn good. Uh, you know, if, if we can ignore that one that one meltdown in uh, in the Bronx. He has been pretty good. And and the bullpen overall has been uh, at least at the back end has been has been okay, although Brian uh, Ryan Brazier um, has a, a meal to buy I think for uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. and his uh, and his last outing there wouldn't you say?
1: And he knows it too. Uh, <laughs> I I spoke with Brazier afterwards in the clubhouse and and he you know the scary thing about Bradley and and that you're obviously referencing that catch he made mm. in the eleventh inning uh, on Wednesday night uh, to rob Trey Mancini but would have been a walk off home run yeah. The scary thing about Bradley is that you almost expect it. At this point, you almost expect him to make a play like right. that. That's how ridiculously high, not only his standards are, but the standards that he's set right. are. Um, you know, whatever ball we think he should catch, he thinks that he should catch one even more difficult. Uh, you know, he he is a uh, he you know, he's a very demanding guy in terms of his own performance. Um, you know, and you saw you know just the, the, the peak of his powers on that play. It, it was phenomenal. You know earlier this year, I remember
0: there were a couple of plays where he didn't quite get to the ball and they wouldn't have been easy plays anyway. And I remember thinking, "Oh, geez, that's a, that's disappointing." But mm. you know, they weren't easy plays. And you're right; you've come to expect this level of performance uh, from him. That is isn't really isn't really fair. Right. I mean, nobody should expect that anybody could make that catch that he made uh, in Baltimore to to save the game. Uh, a couple of nights ago, but but you're right. I mean, he is so good out there, and this this will lead into our our next point here as to why the hell is Jackie Bradley Jr. still in the lineup? Uh, <laughs> right. Th- he is so, he is so good out there that that Alex Cora is basically going to stand stand by his man here.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean there there are there are a few things that go into that decision, uh, but first, primarily, is the glove. You know, they're willing. To sacrifice the offense for the glove. Right. Well, right now it's all, it's only the glove. Correct.
0: He's been essentially uh, an automatic out. And I, look, I get as frustrated as anybody uh, with with uh, with JBJ when when he's up there, you know, basically swinging, um, It looks like swinging for the fences and, and missing by you know quite a bit. I mean, I think he's hitting, I want to say, one forty-two or something like that. Correct. Uh, and you know this this is not a new phenomena. We saw this last year. and the difference was last year, the Red Sox got off to such a fast start. the the lineup around him was all hitting. And so you could say, well, you know, we could carry this guy, and then obviously he he caught fire later on in the year and got his average up to a uh, more respectable two thirty something or two forty, whatever it was. Right. Uh, but you know, what frustrated me this season, to be honest, was that the rest of the team hadn't been hitting. I mean, that they're, they're coming around now. They hadn't been out to a great start, and so I my feeling was put this guy on the bench and 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 you know. Put somebody out there that maybe can hit two hundred or two fifty. I'm not sure who, but somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you see him make the catch like that, and then it rem- then it reminds you, yeah, that's that's sort of like hitting a home run.
1: Well, you you circle around a couple of really good <clears throat> points there, and, and the first I think was that last year they had the best offense in the league. Yeah, in, in most. Of the important categories, I could have been hitting ninth for them, and they still
0: would have had the best offense. Well, and,
1: and essentially, you were for the first half of the year because yeah. Bradley you really struggled. The second half of the year, he was a productive player. Yeah, um, but if you look back at what they did last season, they really didn't get much from catcher, second base, or center field. In terms of offense,
0: so let's let's take a look at those positions quickly. So catcher was Sandy Leone and Vasquez for the bulk of that season. Mm-hmm. I mean, Soyhard got a few swings in, but correct. Uh, second base was Pedroya. Well, it wasn't Pedroya. He was only in there for three games. And right. You had Nunez, and you had Brock Holt. And then Ian Kinsler, and 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 then Kinsler after the uh, at right in the second half, who didn't do a whole lot, not at the plate, uh, no. Right, and then obviously in in center field you had JBJ, correct. So yeah, you're right. They weren't uh, they weren't uh, uh, tilting the meters offensively for sure.
1: You know, and this year you've got Christian Vasquez playing most of the games behind the plate. He's off to a pretty good start offensively. Yep. Um, you know, already has more home runs than he had last season. Uh, is two RBI short of what he had last season yeah. for the full year, and that's through 29 games. OPS of 822. That's pretty darn good yeah, for a catcher, hitting just shy of 280. You know, the, the guy who's played the most games at second base is Michael Chavis, who has the highest OPS on the team.
0: Yeah, and, and at we, this point, and we got into how good uh, Chavis has been in the last podcast, and he's still really good. And it's such a nice surprise to have somebody contribute from from the minor league so quickly.
1: The the difference here is that you know Mookie Betts looked mortal. The first two weeks, right? Um, since then, he's taken off and, and looks like the AL MVP um, that he was last season. Not a big surprise there. Right? Uh, JD Martinez isn't necessarily off to the power hitting start that he got off to last year. Yeah, he'll, he'll be fine. Though. But he's still been plenty good. Yep. Um, you know, Devers isn't necessarily hitting for power, but is a much better hitter than he was last season in terms of on base. Uh you know and Bogart's is is down a tick he he had a real good you know April and May last year uh, especially on the production side, you know, he's not necessarily at that point yet. So and Moreland, don't forget about Mitch Moreland. Well, right? Moreland, uh, you know the batting average isn't there, but right. he's slugging 527. Yeah, he's got, uh, you know, has uh, ten home runs, twenty four RBI, I think. So. so, you have some of your studs who are, you know, maybe eighty percent of what they yeah, were last. They're year. They're sort right? of getting there. They they were off to slow starts and are sort of getting there now. Mm-hmm. So guys like Bradley who could sort of blend in and, and be carried by those guys like they were last year, they haven't necessarily had the luxury of hiding this year. And so they drew your frustrations and (laughs) and the frustrations of so many, whether it be on social media or wherever else. I think it needs to be made clear, though, that organizationally, Alex Cora feels that he's going to play Bradley every day in center field. He's willing to live with the offensive deficiencies. And I think he also has a real understanding of what happens if Bradley comes out of the lineup. Right. And the yeah, changes that he would have to make. It is
0: such a drop-off, because even if you move Mookie Betts there, who's a very good outfielder, you're going to put somebody in the outfield, maybe J- uh, maybe J.D. Martinez, that is really a big drop-off.
1: You know, let's let's do the chain reaction here, okay? So you, you take Bradley out of the lineup. You bench him. Right. Your other outfielder on the roster right now is J.D. Martinez. So you either move Benintendi to center, and you put Martinez in left, or you move Betts to center. Betts is your best outfielder. Yeah. Right. At that point if Bradley's on the bench and you put Martinez in right in Fenway Park now you want him you know in that in that scenario you want him in left if you have to put him out there right you know, yeah. so what you're doing essentially is you are taking the best right fielder in baseball defensively you're going to play him out of position you're taking a bat that you absolutely need in the lineup and you're putting that bat into the field right. JD Martinez is not a great outfielder uh, to begin with you're also risking injury at that point. Uh, you know, whether he runs into the wall or, you know, pops his hamstring chase in a fly ball, something like that. Right. You can't afford to lose that guy for any extended period of time. Yep. It stands to reason that he's not gonna hurt himself as a DH. So you wanna leave him there as much as you can. You let him play the outfield in the national league. You know, you play him in left field every once in a while, you get right. Ben a day off, whatever it may be, but you don't want him as an everyday outfielder. You can't risk the bat. And so I think that also factors into Chorus' thinking he knows that the roster the way it's constructed right now especially with Brock Holt still on the IL Martinez is his fourth outfielder there aren't really any good alternatives no. if he puts Bradley on the bench no you know
0: it's it's uh it's funny i i was uh i was really trying to think of well who could you who could you put there and you know the long lost name of Rusney Castillo floated into oh, my head wow <laughs> Who, uh, you know, I don't think is going to see much time up in the majors. But, you know, when, you, when you've when you got a center fielder hitting 140, you know, you come up with crazy thoughts like that.
1: Uh, well, to be fair, it's not that crazy because Castillo has been a major league player for about two years now. Yeah. Um, you know, he's produced at a major league level in Pawtucket. That's a business decision that they're not going to make. You right. bring Castillo up, you assume his salary, you have to put him back on the 40-man roster, right. which is currently full. Um you know, and he would put them over the luxury tax they're not willing to add his salary to the payroll right. regardless of whether or not he could give them a short term benefit on the yeah. field he's not your everyday minor leaguer because of that contract correct. obviously correct um,
0: but yeah you know watching JBJ when he goes up and makes that play you know all of that stuff kind of washes away because you, you really do realize that there's, there's really nobody else that is going to do that no uh, and almost on a consistent basis yeah um because uh, just watching it, you could see Ryan Brazier who who thought the game who thought the game was over.
1: Oh no, question. You
0: know, I mean, because it was essentially a home run, right? <laughs> that JBJ went out and got and pulled it back. So
1: well, Ben Intendi had a good view of it as well. Obviously, he's yeah. sort of you know half jogging over there because he knows he can't catch it, but he has to back up if the ball hits the fence or whatever else. Right, right. And he says, you know, off the bat about halfway out I knew it was a home run unless someone went and got it yeah he said And next thing I know here comes Jackie and his hips are at the top of the wall right you know he pulls himself up on the wall and makes the catch it's like and I'm, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking you know I'm a little spoiled because yeah. he does he just does this right he right. does this this kind of thing all the time Um, you know he'll make a catch that, that we don't think he should make and it's like geez you know, this guy is seriously good
0: Speaking of Benintendi, he had a nice home run. I think it was that game. Was that game the game thinning. before? 12th that? That's right. That's right. That was uh, yes. the, the 12th inning uh, bomb. And... Uh, just love that swing, that 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 sweet left-handed swing, That's that great. just easy power. And he's off to a nice start as well. Doing uh, fine, yeah. yeah. It's hitting, uh, I want to say two eighty or something like that. Correct, and uh, around twenty RBIs or so.
1: You know, and that was a game that they had <clears throat> to win. Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, let's be serious. Y- yeah, yeah, you
0: want to come back on a, on a high note. You know that the next day was the White House thing, and and you want to get to five hundred. Um, absolutely, they they, they it would have been disappointing. I mean, you know, it's not a must win game. We're in May, but still, you want to. Come home on a high note
1: with, with everything that was going on. Uh, you know, in that game, Sale pitching the way he did, the fact that you could win your third straight series, that you could get to five hundred. Uh, you are eight and two in your last ten. Yeah, um, you know, you, you just there are certain swing points in the year. There are certain games that might mean a little more than some others. Right, you know that that you'll look back on and you'll say. That was a really good win, and they either extended some momentum or they started to build some that night. Uh, I think that was one of those. You know, early in the year, that they invested a lot in that game. They got good performances from a lot of guys out of the bullpen and, and from the starting pitcher. And it would have been a shame to, to waste, you know, essentially waste efforts like those. By losing that game and losing the series to the Orioles. Right, right. So let's do a quick uh, injury update
0: here. Um, What's the deal with uh, old friend Dustin Pedroia, who has been uh, with Portland uh, as of late? Uh, What do we know? What are we hearing about
1: him? Played the last two days in Portland. Uh, He was a designated hitter on Thursday, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, They wanted to see him play three straight. Right. uh, But because of the weather in Portland, they scratched him on Tuesday there was some rain and wet field conditions. They didn't want him to risk it. Uh, we'll find out later today at Fenway Park, as we record this on Friday, yep. whether or not he's going to continue with Portland. They have yep. a series at Trenton this weekend, uh, or whether or not he comes back to Boston, um, you know, and, and continues his work there. Uh, you know, he might go to Pawtucket and, and continue his work there. Right. Um, you know, generally in these these rehab assignments, they try to keep guys as close to home. As they can, sure. If Portland's home or if Pawtucket's home, they they would prefer to do that. Yep. Um, You know, but no setbacks to this point. I think they just want to see him play. They they don't want to activate him if he can't play three or four games in a row because at that point he's a burden on the roster. Yep. Yep. Um, David Price uh, on
0: the uh, I I L. (laughs) Uh, Very good. Yeah. The I L. Are we seriously concerned about that or? you think it's uh, he, he doesn't think it's that big of a deal.
1: No, left elbow tendinitis, which yeah. you know for the uni- for the uninitiated means that your elbow's a little you get sore. A sore elbow, yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's generally a, an overuse thing. Yeah. Um, played catch each of the last two days in Baltimore. Yep. Uh, so it's not like he's completely shut down. You'd like to see him throw a bullpen at some point just mm-hmm. to see if if he can. Retain some sharpness. Uh, you know. Retain some sort of workload here. Right. Um, the good thing for Price coming up is that you have Monday off and you have Thursday off. Yeah. It's one of those weeks where you get a rare week where you get two days off. Correct. And so you're looking at a point where if he is as healthy as he says he is, and if this is as minor as they think it is, he might only miss one start. Right. Might right. be able to come back. And the off days allow you to have a couple bullpen days, whether it be with Hector Velasquez, uh, or with Josh Smith, uh, or maybe even with Ryan Weber, right, who, right. who all could get a spot start here at some point. Uh, they haven't announced one for Sunday yet against Seattle in, the, in that mm-hmm. series uh, finale. So you have some room to maneuver, and, and you also have a couple extra days there built in where Price can take his time and, and sort of make his way back at his own pace.
0: And uh, what's happening with the uh, the formerly loose bodies of the uh, in the elbow of Nathan Ivaldi, which I assume are gone now?
1: They are gone. Uh, they were cleaned out through yeah. arthroscopic surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, had his stitches out as well on mm-hmm. Wednesday, which means that he's getting closer to, to starting to throw again. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been able to work out the whole time. He's been in the weight room and just hasn't been able to pitch. Right. right just hasn't been able to throw. Uh, you know, but that'll be like a two or three week process. You figure once he gets started. Um, you know, you could see him go on a rehab. I, I always expected that he'd come back maybe in like the middle of June. Right. Uh, you know, so maybe by the end of this month you'd want to see him on a rehab assignment or, or maybe starting to throw bullpens again. Uh, I don't think that they're too concerned about him because it's something that he's gone through already. He had the same procedure done at the start of last year with Tampa. Right. Missed eight weeks. So they have a pretty good idea of the time frame and he has a pretty good idea of how to rehab from this.
0: It was good to see Brock Holt was uh, back in the dugout. Um, Has he been activated yet?
1: No, they're talking about potentially sending him on a rehab assignment this weekend. This week, Uh, he's supposed to work out with the team Friday Mm -hmm. at Fenway. Uh, Had a sore right shoulder, which he had a cortisone shot for. Um, for anyone who's had a cortisone shot, it's uh, you know, not the most comfortable thing in the world. But in the aftermath, you, you suddenly feel like Superman again. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty pretty healing uh, measure. Well, he also had the, the, the scratched cornea as well. I noticed he had some
0: goggles on there in the dugout.
1: He says his eye is fine and, mm-hmm. and that he's able to see the ball right now. He took batting practice the other night. The, the problem was the shoulder uh, has an impingement. In the shoulder, and he you know, was unable to throw. Hmm. Uh, and and as he properly observed, uh, we already have a DH on this team, uh, JD Martinez. <laughs> yeah, he's like, not going to so, be that. Yeah. It's like so, if I'm going to be in the lineup, I got to be able to throw the ball. <laughs> right. Uh, he's absolutely correct. And and yeah, you know, to be honest, I I really think they've missed him. Um, you know, because he's the type of guy who could play left field in a pinch and could play second base and play third base. Right. And he's really the only other shortstop they have on the roster. Um, you know, so that's that's. Yeah, that's significant. His loss was significant, and then to have Zouei Lin you know, go on the DL with uh, his knee injury yeah. on that weird slide in Chicago, yeah, yeah. bone bruise and, and a sprained MCL. He's going to be out for a little bit. Um, you know, to have him gone as well, he's your sort of backup utility guy behind Holt. So they had to extend some infielders and, and push some guys and, and play them a few extra days. And you know, I know that that Holt would have taken up maybe a couple of those starts for Devers or right. a couple of those starts for Bogarts or for Nunez or, you know, for somebody like that. That that sort of player has value on on a team the way rosters are constructed now. Versatility
0: has a lot of value.
1: Um, and you made a good point uh, on one of the previous podcasts
0: when we talked about last season how they were able to kind of navigate through some, through, uh, mm-hmm. some rough spots because they had players like uh, Velasquez and Brian Johnson who is still not with the team. Um, any uh, any update on him?
1: He uh, threw a bullpen session Tuesday in Baltimore, and then threw a simulated game the next day. Uh, it was only about 15, 20 pitches, but did face hitters. Mm-hmm. When I say hitters, I mean three guys on the coaching staff uh, <laughs> St- standing in the box. Uh, uh, no swinging. <laughs> oh, just swing. Okay. Swinging. Carlos uh, Fabulous, oh, okay. third base coach Carlos Fabulous was taking death acts out there. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, okay. really. I I, I right. asked Johnson afterwards. I said. Uh, you know, any uh, any apprehension facing the coaches, and he said, "Man, he said Carlos up there swinging hard." <laughs> He's like, "I'm I'm standing out there and I'm thinking, please don't hit one back at me." <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> no contact from right. Uh Cora afterwards, as as he is wont to do, made fun of the coaches, and he said, "Johnson looked good; those guys look terrible." <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Not entirely fair, but uh, they they have that sort of relationship. Right.
0: right. Uh, so hopefully the Red Sox, it won't be too long until they're sort of back to full strength. But it is certainly encouraging that they've been able to play the way they've been playing lately. And uh, so now they are home for a bit. Um, mm. They have Seattle coming in here for uh, for a three-game set at Fenway this weekend. This is the Seattle team that, uh, the, that the Red Sox opened up against and... Uh, uh set the uh, set the course for a not a not very good start Oof. but uh, yeah. Seattle is kind of fallen back to earth they're down to 500 now um, and it would be nice to, to see the Red Sox maybe get a little bit of retribution here um, and keep keep the momentum going
1: Seattle was 13 and two at one point wow uh, you know really came out of the blocks firing uh, since then they're down to 20 and 20. Mm-hmm. Um, lost three of their last four coming in here. Uh, those were at Yankee Stadium against New York. Yep. This is the end of a three-city road swing for them. Uh, you know, so you got to wonder how much left they have in the tank here right. uh, now that they've gotten away. And you know, the Red Sox traditionally have had pretty good luck against the AL West here at home. Uh, you saw what happened in terms of the results and how they flipped with Oakland when they came in here. Right. Uh, really struggled in Oakland, uh, and the A's didn't really have a chance at Fenway. Uh, so you're hoping that you know the Red Sox and the Mariners are sort of on different paths now. Mm. Uh, Boston started the season struggling. Seattle was hot. Now Boston's the hot team and Seattle is struggling. You hope that the Red Sox are able to take advantage and and extend this into a week where they have a couple days off. They have Colorado coming in uh, in an interleague series. The Rockies are also struggling. Yep. Uh, and then you've got a bit of a showdown yeah. over the weekend. Yeah. Hello Astros. Yes. Uh, You know, so you hope if you're Boston that you're able to extend this throughout the week because playing Houston will be a tough chore uh, you know uh, I have really
0: become a fan of Houston uh, I just like the way that team is put together and how they play uh, you know I, I was glad the Red Sox were able to beat them last year for for, uh, for sure but uh, Houston is a good team and I think that uh, they are a great measuring stick to, to, to find out where you are uh, they've got talent up and down their, that lineup they play hard uh, and you know they're, they're as usual they're in first place in the West right now uh, 22 and 15 uh, so yeah, that that'll be a that'll be a big weekend series, uh, and hopefully they can use this weekend and uh, and the games against the Rockies maybe to build a little bit of a cushion because I, I don't know if they're going to take three games out of you uh, from Houston next weekend.
1: You'd be surprised to see a sweep there either yeah. way, um, you know, because both teams are, are pretty good, yeah, and you get the sense that that could be a series that we see again in, in October. Oh yeah, uh, I you think know, so. That's that's one of those things where. You know, your points are, are correct. Houston is a very good team. Uh, you know, power up and down the line up. Um, a bunch of hungry guys you know like sure. Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve and George Springer right my, sen- my sense with them is that you know they, they've obviously tasted
0: the championship and they're young enough and hungry enough to say that you know that wasn't enough we're, we're still a really good team we can't let it go at one.
1: We're in the window here yeah. where we have enough talent where we're going to be a contender every year you know let's sort of make a little bit of a legacy here and win two or three right. instead right. Um, you know but I just I love Love the way that those guys play. They Mm. play so hard every day. You know, someone like Bregman is so talented and and just so sandpapery out there. You know, like you play against him and you feel like he's like the kid in gym class who you're playing pickup basketball against and he's playing 10% too hard. And you're just like, man, you know, I got math next period. Don't make me walk in there in a sweat. Like, just calm down and let me shoot. You know, and he just won't give you a pitch off. He's grinding every at bat, you know, every ground ball he's going to dive after runs hard on the bases every time you know and they have a team full of guys like that they take their cue from those young leaders like Bregman and Altuve and Springer and and I just think that you know that roster was built to contend over a period of time and and I think you know if you're a Red Sox fan you're going to have to get used to seeing those guys you know whether it be late in the season in October yep. in a playoff series uh, so you know like you said it, it is a good measuring stick to find out where you are and you need to use this week to sort of continue that momentum into that series next weekend. Well, uh, that should do it for this week's uh,
0: Twin Bills. Bill, what are you going to do next week when you have two days off? I'm not sh- Mon- Monday and Thursday, if, I, if I'm reading the, the schedule correctly.
1: You know, Monday night, uh, I might actually go watch more baseball. Um, the Sunset League in, in Newport yes. is opening the season right. next week. Uh, I have a few friends who play on the Brothers Oven team, uh, so I'll, I'll be checking them out most likely on Monday, nice. like, weather permitting. Uh, and then Thursday, we'll see. Um, you know, I haven't necessarily looked if if the Paw Sox are at home or not. I've uh, yeah. been meaning to get over to McCoy. They're on, for the, a game. they're on the road this weekend. I think I think they are home
0: next week. I, I don't know for sure. I don't have a schedule in front of me, but
1: yeah, which which would be nice because they've got a, a few guys that are worth seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you could catch an outing out of Mike Shawarin, he's off to a pretty good start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone like Josh Akami is yeah. hitting the ball well early yeah. uh, and, and is a prospect who I know that they think something of there. Uh, you know, so they have some interesting pieces there and, and also in the bullpen. Uh, you know, got a few guys like Jenry Mejia, mm. um, you know, who could be factors at some point uh, at the major league level. So it, it'd be nice, you know, if Thursday is a night off where, you know, I could get over there and maybe take the temperature of what's going on at McCoy So let me get this straight. So, on your days off from baseball, you're going to go watch more baseball. I just might.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's why we love Bill Koch around here, folks. Uh, Anyway, uh, Bill, thanks again. It was fun, uh, and we will do this again in a week. All right, Bill.